This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Wally. Hey, I know that guy. It's, uh, it's Andy. That's it, Andy. Hey, hey, Andy, it's, it's your buddy Jess. Well, I am back. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Again, once again, I am here. <laughs> and Chris. Yeah, I'm back too. You can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on X, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. Our music is by Skeleton King. Find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. Yes, welcome back, chaps. It's been a long time. Well, I say a long time. It's been over a month since we recorded. Um, did we have a nice few weeks off? Well, I know I especially did because I had I had guests, I had visitors. Well, that's interesting because I went away. I was I was yeah. a guest. You were the guest. <laughs> yes, you were, and your awesome family. We had a great time. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Andy, you've been very busy. Yeah, boring life things getting in the way. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was as uh, a relaxing a time over Christmas and New Year as I I could have hoped for, to be honest. But uh, yeah, not a not a fun couple of months if I'm if I'm honest. But there we are, moving forward. So yeah, um, I was we we my family were uh, in. The U.S. We were in Kansas City, and we visited with Chris and his family for a few days. Um, Chris, we need to talk about the Chiefs. It's um, AFC Championship game tonight or today for you. I know we briefly talked about it off air, but you excited? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl is kind of cool. The experience of playing in a game that will capture an entire country's attention is always pretty incredible so you know i look forward to that and definitely uh don't take that for granted although i i will have to say that um my anticipation level for this game is actually less than last week's game mm-hmm. why is that um just because the season's already a success they they really kind of had a, a real struggle point during the year where they they looked like a bad team, not just for their own standards, but they lost one game in particular where they gave up two defensive touchdowns and looked like they would never win another game ever again. And I don't know, to see them come back and kind of figure things out and persevere. And I think they've already shown their winning medal. So I'm not too caught up. Like I'll say the last game against Buffalo, I was... It was, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience as sporting, sports fans, but, like, I kind of didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. <laughs> Every time, anything I watch. Yeah. It was too tense. And uh, I was conscious of it I, I, as I was watching. I was like, this is stupid. Just enjoy this. It's entertainment. But my n- stomach was in knots. And I just was like, oh, if they lose, everybody's going to be like, you know, I think Josh Allen might be better than Mahomes. And I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And. Anyway, they won, so it doesn't matter. And puts that off for a year at least. So Mahomes can keep the best player in the NFL title for for one more year. Yeah, and I mean, the, I've already heard some chat. You know, listening to 
podcasts and things like that, sports-related podcasts that, you know, some people are like, if he makes the Super if they if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl here, then it accelerates the, is Mahomes the best ever? Like, there will be some talk about it, even yeah. though he'll have three Super Bowls to Tom Brady seven. People will be like, yeah, but what he's done the last two years is, mm. if they win it this year, it would just it'd be really kind of unprecedented. I have one more thing to say about the Chiefs. Um, Andy, can I just... I, I, I'm at risk of alienating any Chiefs listeners we have here, but I'm, I'm going to say this anyway. Uh, <laughs> Andy, would you say that um, the words Chief and the word King are s- sort of vague synonyms? They're similar? Represent the same yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. Chief and King, about the mm-hmm. no, similar at least. Yep. Um. So does the phrase Chief's Kingdom make any sense to you? No. No. No, well, no, no, no. no it doesn't. No, Chris. No. <laughs> You've got a rebuttal. So apparently it's the Chief's Kingdom. I mean, now that you've said that, I don't I don't know if we can watch the game then. <laughs> just just love it. No, no, it's I'm like sorry, what is the Chief's Kingdom? Because that's silly. Kansas City is the Chief's Kingdom, right? It's, the, it's No, I, I think I think you got it all wrong, right? The Chief is the person, the kingdom is the people. We're, yeah, the Chiefs are the players because there's a king. Because there's a king, why yeah. can't it be chiefdom? <laughs> oh, chiefdom. Yeah. yeah. Well, or because it implies there's a king. In which case, if there's a king, he's probably above the chief. I'm sorry to say. Also, it. I'd say I prefer we were called the kings anyway. Yeah, it's I, that's it's fair point. So that that feels like a promotion. You know, if you're going to go from chiefs to the kings, then I think you've got to do something real special. Right. Well, now you're starting to sound like uh, Richard Harris from uh, uh, Unforgiven, but uh, well, we'll over that another and time. And so we should, and so we should talk about that film at some point. The Kansas City point, Kings, yeah. Kansas City Kings. Too many cuz. Oh, yeah, quite. Like well, there it. were, there were, there was a Kansas City Kings franchise. It was uh, an NBA team. They're the Sacramento Kings now. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. That's enough of that. We'll um. We'll keep Rich Allen happy and move on to movies. Um, <laughs> was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Obviously, we haven't been you know together for uh, over a month. Any any little things that you want to reference? Any movies, TV shows, anything at all? Uh, I would just uh, the only thing I would say is that the, I have had some conversations with people recently, um, asking if 2023. Was this a historic movie year? Um, thinking like in terms like 1994 with, you know, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, mm-hmm. Forrest Gump, uh, 2007 with um, There Will Be Blood. Um, no Country uh, for Old Men. Zodiac. Does this, does last year go down Oppenheimer, Barbie, uh, just a slew of great kind of undercard movies? Is Was last year a historic movie year? Okay. And what's the answer? I think a lot of people are saying no um, because the top, because the Oppenheimer Barbie combo probably, well, a couple of excellent movies are probably not on the par of like Shawshank, Pulp Fiction. Uh, like I said, There Will Be Blood and um, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Those top two movies probably aren't quite legendary enough to, to push it to that level. Yeah. That's a fair point, I think. I mean, I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of um, 
current cinema, so I can't kind of speak intellectually about it. Uh, but I just I think the the fear is cinema is not what it used to be. I mean, I think that's fairly wide widely regarded as the case, right? Like, I don't know if it can ever live up to what it was in the past. Uh, this year takes a shot at it. Gives mm. me some hope that movies aren't dead yet. Well, that's good. And by movies, I mean like in theater movie yeah. experience. Like, uh, just you know, not this wouldn't be a top level. Yeah, but I don't know if you guys have seen Godzilla minus one. Yeah. Uh, you know that kind of movie going experience uh, to to go see that in the theater really kind of brought me back to what I love about movies and that feeling that being in a the theater can put in you. Okay, well, that's that's promising then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think there were several experiences like that this year. Andy, anything to add? No. It's <laughs> a profound statement. No, that's I can't perfect. Even remember the last time I went to see. Oh, no, it's good I to have you back, Andy. Hey, no, I'm firing all cylinders. No, I saw Barbie this year. I quite like that. <laughs> you didn't see it right. Uh, I have it on Blu-ray to watch. Yeah, it's weird actually. So, movies around around us, um, we can go pretty inexpensively. If we go on a Sunday morning, it's a twenty-minute car ride to some to I guess the the, the theater, and there's it costs like five pounds to watch anything. And every time I do it, I'm like, why do I not do this every Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Because it's brilliant. But it's funny, Fee and I were having a conversation about this earlier. The 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 ease in which you can stream almost anything and the amount of stuff you can have access to at any one time, I think it kind of devalues uh, what cinema is. Well, that... um, because you know, they come to streaming so quickly a lot of the time as well. And people just, ah, I can't be bothered. I'll wait six weeks and I'll watch it on Netflix or what have you and maybe not six weeks it goes back to the point i was making though andy like for example you said you've got oppenheimer and you're gonna watch it Mm -hmm. at home uh i would i would go ahead and say that the experience you're going to have watching that movie will not be the same as the experience that i had seeing it on an imax screen no i i guarantee it i guarantee it um it was one of the that specifically i wanted to go with my son uh and i just couldn't get the time from him to do it, so I didn't want to go on my own. Yeah. Um, but that was one I wanted to go see in the theater. It just never happened, uh, and we ended up watching Barbie instead, which he didn't come to, by the way. Uh, <laughs> not surprisingly. Um, so no, I completely agree. Um, we don't make enough effort to do it, uh, and I think if that that kind of behavior pattern continues amongst society, then yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. My all-time example of, of that experience was the first time I ever saw um, Wizard of Oz in the theater. Mm-hmm. It was like a local theater was showing a, you know, a retro screening. And uh, I, I, when I walked out of the movie, I said to my wife, I feel like I've, ne- I've never seen that movie before. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, mm-hmm. I'd watched it probably a dozen times on TV. But seeing it on a big screen, I was, it just it just it presented in a completely different way that... Yeah, makes me value going to the theater. <clears throat> we should all, and I speak to uh, Jess and myself, really, mm. make more of an effort. Must yeah. do better. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, we're going to move yeah. on to Wally, if that's all right, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, I'm going to turn to you first because specifically um, remember one of the years ago, I must have been obviously shortly after Wally was released, we talked about films when I came to visit you guys one time and you told me about Wally and how much you loved it. Uh, yeah. You still love it? Yeah, and watching it again to prepare for this podcast, um, I hadn't watched it. I didn't watch it for quite a while, actually, and I, it's just it—it's so funny. This is this is going to be an interesting podcast. We'll see how it plays lot plays out because the movie is so good that I have very little to say. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, maybe I, I might even say it's the best example I've ever seen in simplicity. Okay. There's yeah. just not a lot. It's not trying to do too much and it does it so perfectly and so effectively. Um, yeah, I almost uh, overwhelmed by watching it the other night and just feeling my emotions with almost nothing really going on on screen at times. Yeah, I yeah I'd not seen this for probably five or six years, so it's interesting. So um, <laughs> this kind of fits into the 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 kind of draw of movies I went to see with the kids when they were growing up. Um, so there's a whole raft of Pixar movies from I guess you know 2003 through about 2012, where we'd go and watch everything that came out that that they presented and this this was one of them um but i remember coming out of watching this and the kids were kind of bored by it i guess they would have been actually it came out when ava was born so harry would have been like three or something we just sat him on a lap and you know just but it's fantastic right i mean Mm -hmm. as you say it's like a perfectly written poem with like six lines there's There's nothing, there's no fluff here, which doesn't need to be there. It's telling the very simplest of stories, but it's doing it with incredible amount of charm. I've just forgot how how charming it is and how touching it is. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely brilliant, um, but perhaps not as fun as I remember, because it's not really fun, is it? It's fun because it's fantastic. You look at it as a piece of art. It's like saying looking at the Mona Lisa's fun. Mm. <laughs> Not, but you can appreciate it. it's fantastic. It's, it's. I would say Wally is slightly more entertaining than the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely right. But you know what I mean. It is, yeah. It is. There's almost nothing wrong with it. Mm. Um, uh, I'm going to yeah. jump on that point though, Andy, because um, <clears throat> I did want to ha- talk a little bit about. So, I hate children's entertainment. <laughs> I, I think even bluey come on yeah <laughs> well mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched bluey but maybe you can come back like and comment on that so i think in general children's entertainment is harmful to children and um teaches them kind of a degraded form of what it means to be entertained uh that carries on into adulthood and makes for less emotionally sophisticated human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think, like, for example, like maybe books are a little bit different because 
when you're just learning how to read, you know, simple little children's books that we all loved when we were kids are important for a gateway to something more sophisticated. But typically with movies, you can interpret images and what you see on a screen from pretty much, like you said, when your children are very, very young. And some of the garbage that we put up there and call children's entertainment is, um, I'm almost, I would go as far as to say offended by it. And what I love about Wally and Pixar in general, and we'll get into this more later probably, but um, these movies assume that my kids are intelligent or at the very least have an emotional intelligence and can handle high level, sophisticated ideas and storytelling. Mm. Um, to use a non Pixar example, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the film version of Where the Wild Things Are. It's a it's a it's a hard movie to watch. It is a heavy, deep film, and uh, it just figures that kids are more sophisticated than we give them credit for, and can watch something and can process it in their own way, on their own level, and it doesn't dumb anything down for them. And I just appreciate when children's entertainment does that, as opposed to just giving them, you know, silly physical pratfalls. That, yeah really don't do anything for anybody i don't know the nice thing is though i mean i agree 100 percent. by the way but i I guess i'm kind of backing up the point but also (laughs) saying that one of the nice things about wally is that it also has that it also has the physical stuff and the pratfalls Mm -hmm. and the slapstick uh which you know i remember when my kids watched it as a kid they probably laughed at those bits you know the slapstick bits more than the rest of it but they didn't they still they didn't get nothing from the rest of it yeah. So I think you're right. Um, is it is it is an oversimplification that says one of Pixar's strengths is that they create films that are for all ages? You know, like yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to piggyback off what you said because um, before Andy, before you even suggested this as a film, we would we would do for the podcast. Uh, Maddie watched it. Um, I don't know. It must have been a three or four weeks ago ago mm-hmm. and i sort of was ducking in and out watching it with them and at one point maddie said because obviously it's the first time they've watched it for a number of years maddie said i didn't get this when i was younger i get it now mm-hmm. you know and i guess maddie would be talking about the um, the broader themes of you know human survival and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, and so i guess that's to your point chris isn't it like it, there is something for the kids when they were younger but also now that they're older they can they get more from it on a on a subsequent viewing right there's layers to it well and i like i would say you know i i wouldn't qualify i wouldn't classify wally as a children's movie mm. uh i think it's a human movie um that's appropriate for you know like when i say like i hate children's entertainment obviously like i don't think like, you know, I'm going to show my six-year-old Pulp Fiction or something like that. That's, that's inappropriate. <laughs> um, but a, a movie like WALL-E that, that is appropriate to be viewed by anybody of any age but doesn't dumb down the themes and the ideas because they know there'll be younger viewers, that's what I appreciate the yeah. most. And I will add one other thing, too. Also, yeah. doesn't uh, the other thing that children's movies, I think, sometimes try to do is overwhelm children with visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, like... Uh, like a hyperkinetic kind of visual style that I also think is probably a little 
a little overwhelming to a young mind. It's the short attention span idea, you know, the quick cuts, the quick edits, right? Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. Mm. Well, that's, I mean, that's becoming more of an issue, isn't it? Like in just entertainment in general, like assuming right. that people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Well, and again, like I said at the beginning, because I think we're kind of trained from a young age that that's what entertainment is. Mm. So that's what we expect and we become accustomed to. I just want to say one more thing before we move into the small stuff. Uh, I feel like obviously this is the first animated film we've done on the podcast. Uh, and I wonder whether there's something to be said for the fact that I think all three of us came away from our viewing having fewer small stuffs to mention, right? We we both sort of said to each other off air, I don't have a lot necessarily for this. And I wonder whether that's a symptom of it being animated and being... Um, because it is uh, easier, I don't know. I, I'm over. I don't know if I'm oversimplifying or, or kind of being disrespectful to it. But it's easier for the director, the creative minds in the film, to have exact control over what is what actually happens during a, a production. Whereas some of the small, sorry, some of the small stuff that. For example, I love in live action films come from actors doing their own thing or uh, something that maybe is just ever so slightly out of the main story arc and, and that kind of stuff. And I wonder whether having um, such absolute control over an animated film, it leaves a little bit less room for that. Yeah, I thought actually it would be the opposite, to be honest, because, you know, so, as you say, some of the things that we see um, in other movies are, are incidental or they're, they're uncontrolled background things that happen which uh, are left in because actually they, they mean something in some obscure way or mm. um, they're only there because a certain camera angle is used by the director. But but with, with animation, they, they've got complete control mm -hmm. of everything. Um, so I thought there would be more kind of Easter egg type things um, knocking around. And there's some, obviously, but I just thought it would be riddled with them. Uh, and I think it's to its credit that it's not. Yeah, I... I don't know. That's that's an interesting theory, Jess. Because on the one hand, uh, when you were saying it, I'm like, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, I don't know if if they threw in a scene where Wally stole an ambulance for no reason, then <laughs> you know, then I'd have a bunch of small stuff to talk about. That scene would be an error, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, is that going to come back every part, every recording now from now on? <laughs> it's dumb to steal an ambulance. Well, at the very least, I'll be on the lookout for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, you guys happy to move into the small stuff? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so um, I wanted to say right off the bat, the first voice we hear, or even even the first sound we hear, Andy, you will appreciate this, and I think listeners from the UK of a similar age to us will appreciate this. The first voice we hear is Michael Crawford. Out there, there's a world outside of Yonkers, way out there beyond this hick town, Barnaby. There's a slick town, Barnaby. Out there, full of shine and full of sparkle. Close your eyes and see it. Listen, Barnaby. Listen, Barnaby. Put on your 
singing uh, the song from Hello Dolly. So Michael Crawford is best known in the UK, at least, Chris, for um, being in a TV show, a, a sitcom called Some Mothers Do Have Them. Uh, and basically it was just a slapstick physical comedy show about this guy called Frank Spencer who just who couldn't ever do anything right. Um, and uh, but it for a while there, Michael Crawford was going to be a big star. And like, you know, because his physical ability and his dancing was so good, um, he was going to be in, you know, he was in Hello, Dolly. He made a film called Condor Man. Andy, I don't know if you remember Condor Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, and I just I just love that it was it's his voice uh, that is um, is what we hear first. Anyway, that's all I have. I don't know if you have anything to add about Michael Crawford, Andy. No, uh, I, other than I echo everything you've said about him. I didn't know who he was mm. other than Frank Spencer until later on in life. Yeah. And exactly. I, I am still in awe that he actually has legitimate skills mm -hmm. um, after playing the buffoon that was Frank Spencer. It's mind-blowing to me, but there we are. Exactly. So you say was going, so he did not become the big star? Well, I think I had a look at his IMDb um, yesterday, and I think Hello Dolly is his biggest, um, his biggest thing that he did, as far as I can tell. I'm sure he he did stuff on stage, which I don't know about, and so he might have been, um, you know, a musical actor that, that is just just not on my radar. So I don't want to be too disrespectful to him, but the character of Frank Spencer is is. Um, it's a character of some derision, I would say. I mean, people loved Some Mothers Do Have Them, but it's a little bit like what you were saying, Chris. It's a lowest common denominator type show. Right. It's a Mr. Bean type show in some respects where, you know, you're going to love it because he falls over all the time. Um... <laughs> oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's real bad. Go look it up on YouTube. Go watch. I, just, bet, I bet there are loads of Some Mothers Do Have Them clips on, on YouTube. I mean, it's you couldn't put it on TV now. Mm. Um, he is... Uh, purposely overly camp in the way he mm. behaves um and he's incompetent in almost everything but actually <laughs> yeah. in a in a slightly charming way actually mm. uh, it's not mr bean it's not supposed to be like no, it's not mr bean funny he's not a complete like mm, no bizarre, no you're right no his heart's in the right place right Frank Spencer. Form of man yeah he's just, he is a normal man he's just bad at everything um but yeah how you i mean what was Hello Dolly, what, 1969 or yeah. something? Mm -hmm. And then from that to Frank Spencer, I guess, six or seven years later, what? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Even that seems like a fall from grace, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> anyway, there you have it. Some mothers do have them. Look it up. Go, yeah. go, go look it up. Um, you'll be uh, appalled, frankly. Apologize on behalf of our nation <laughs> for creating such a. <laughs> I don't know. Your description of it makes it sound like every single American sitcom I've ever watched. Well, yeah, so. it, uh, I'm sure there was like a US version or, or some kind of iteration of it which worked in America. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, shortly after we hear Michael Crawford singing, um, it kind of pans through the scene. It's the, the scene setting and the world building is is great. I mean, I think yep. it goes without saying. Uh, but the fact that some of the piles of trash that the Wallies have been building over the years are taller than the skyscrapers in the city that they're in is uh it's all it's pretty awesome uh and the concept is incredible i mean again I, perhaps this isn't small stuff but um the concept that they 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 literally came up with 
Is that a future for us potentially? Is it can is it conceivable that that's how we're going to end up? Well, I think maybe an exaggerated version, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the path we're on. Mm. Uh, I would say, but uh, there's a little detail in that that little like when it starts off in space and then it it slowly zooms into Earth. Um, and there's the layer of like it's not just the earth that is filled with trash it's also like the outer layer of the atmosphere like it has mm-hmm. to go through just an absolute uh clutter of satellites yeah and like just the idea that every that, that we've polluted every possible form of of the world we live on but yeah yeah i do think there's truth to that uh, i also do think i i love the uh uh I can't believe that after Wally came out that a company didn't say, you know what, by and large, is kind of a good name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. What's <laughs> what? What is its closest and an analogous company in in the real world? I think it's Walmart. Yeah, that's what I think too. Or Amazon. Or Amazon now, yeah, right. Just where the, the company where you can get everything. Yeah. And is taking over. And is taking over. Yeah. Chris, you wanted to say something about uh, the the first time we see Wally in his uh, in his in his home. Just the way um, they humanize Wally, uh, just in in those first opening moments, I, it's just incredible. Like you talked about, like the world building, and like in the first few minutes where we get a really good idea of what what is the world is, what's happened to it, uh, with these stacks of garbage and the pollution and whatnot. But then Wally goes back and. Again, it's just it's a small, little, easy to miss things that really are all important. Like just the way Wally moves his hands. Mm-hmm. There's just a, like a humanity to it. Um, the the refocusing and shifting of his eyes. The way they manage to to just suggest that like there's a sentient being in here that has feelings and uh i don't know i I just i was blown away by it it's Mm. so simply done too i think i like i was torn watching it and i guess it's you have to buy into that to buy into the film in the first place right you can't you you if you're like as i do sometimes like right at the end of the film when um eve switches out his circuit board uh, and he's not wally to begin with and then all of a sudden he is wally when they have the little spark moment like the logical me is going, well, that wouldn't happen. He's got a new circuit board. He's he's lost all his memory. But so you got it. You have to buy into it, right? You have to look up, look past it, um, to to enjoy the film to a certain extent. Um, You're right because yeah. you you wonder where he's got those human intuitions from. There's a lovely bit when he's he rocks himself. He puts himself on the shelf and then rocks himself a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you think, you know, and you're right, Jess. I'm I'm already bought into the fact that he's 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 humanized yeah. and he's got emotions and feelings, but actually, you can be over analytical about it and think, well, actually, mm. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, why would you do that? I like the idea that the- that 700 years later, you know, a, a robot living virtually by himself for 700 years would yep. would sort of mutate almost. The coding would shift and and mutate and become something a little bit more with a personality, I guess. So yeah, right. I'm willing to buy it. 
And throughout throughout the whole thing, he's constantly kind of uh, introducing almost human traits or humanity to every creature he comes in contact with, not just the other humans, but all of the other robots as well. You know, there's he's his personality is allowing other entities within the universe to become more human. It's fascinating to me that you say that because one of the criticisms that I would have had of the movie was the cockroach. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think about it until just now. What you're saying is the cockroach has been humanized by the same thing that he's humanized Wally, that it's a contagious effect. Potentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. It does... uh, it is is it is absolutely the existential question in the movie of why is Wally like this mm. and 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 the answer seems to be because he is yeah and you have to that's go why. you have to go along with it and you have to go along with it yeah and I think I that's know. fine I think it's fine and I think it's more than fine I think there's something beautiful to it mm. yeah I just want to say one other thing about. Um, that kind of time frame in the film you know it's the first time we see the storms on earth you know the storms that they have to shelter from because they're savage yeah those storms don't go away when the other <laughs> humans when when the axiom finally lands back on earth they'll still have to deal with those storms <laughs> um, i think we've overlooked that. right <laughs> i mean babies will be blown away yeah but i don't you figure that like the the implication is that we have the uh, ship returns. They have technology. They'll be able to handle a storm. Yeah, yeah. You're you're right. I mean, I, I'm it's, again. It's I'm being pedantic, and I'm um, you know, I'm kind of being slightly cruel. But yeah, and the, and they it's what is it? Project recolonize or Operation Recolonize. So they've got plans in place. They, yeah, they've yeah, got plans. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Andy, he finds the plant on day two. Yeah. Um, so that whole scene uh, goes on from what we've been saying already. Really, I just like the we show we see his 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 values come out really well there. So he's he's rooting through the trash, and he finds all manner of things. One slightly annoying thing was the car key and the car mm-hmm. alarm. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. No, but he finds the ring in the box, and he's fascinated. He opens the box, closes the box, opens the box, throws the ring away, keeps the box. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that part. Um, I think it. Yeah, the box is more interesting to him. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, a lovely little message, um, which just reinforces everything we've already said about um, how <laughs> I, I don't even want to call it humanizing because no human would do that, right? Yeah. But um, what's the word? He's almost raw, emotionally naive. It's somewhat childlike, isn't it? It's yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's yeah, naive is the right word. Yeah, I just like that that bit. I think it it cements who he is, uh, where his values lie. It's his innocence that is so appealing mm-hmm. to everyone, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Although that... it also reminds me of my cat. Sorry. He also reminds me of my cat. <laughs> Why? Because my cat, my cat. We buy all kinds of cat toys, and then the cat just wants to sit and like sit in the box top yeah. that yeah. the cat toy came in. Well, it's an old trope, isn't it? You buy your kids something amazing for Christmas Day and they'll play in the box that it came in. They'll play in the box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, and then Eve arrives. Yeah, so my question about Eve is basically about her design. Mm-hmm. 
So her her whole purpose, she's the, the looking for plant life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if there's evidence that things are growing on Earth, um, then then we can return. Then what, what you even said, it's Operation uh, Recolonize. Recolonize yeah. goes into effect. So what the heck is up with this laser arm that's blowing like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah something moves and she blows so, it up like there's every opportunity and chance that she's gonna blow up a plant so well no i think i think she's okay so she is clearly the most sophisticated uh robot in the whole film there's no other robot in the film that displays the technology and the advanced stuff that she does right so i guess whoever designed eve uh, has basically said this is the most important thing. We have to do everything we can to uh, to engage Operation Recolonize. And so, yeah, we make Eve the best. We give her everything she needs. You know, she can fly somehow. We don't know how she can fly, but she can fly. She's got those awesome arms that disappear. She's got a rocket laser gun thing. She's got a head that floats. I don't know. I mean, she's like nothing else in the whole film. Her character, her character design is incredible, but I, I can only assume that it's, it's because she's so important. You do make an interesting point, though, Chris. She senses something moving, and the, the initial instinct is to kill it, <laughs> which is completely polar opposite to what she's there to do no but she's a ve- she's a vegetation evaluator not um not like oh, a, so that's an anim- so 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 <laughs> yeah i know yeah mm. <laughs> well interesting a little advice then to the designers of eve i, I think they should have made her weapon a little more precise because that that weapon <laughs> just blows up like <laughs> massive areas of uh of possible plant life so mm. <laughs> it does make a cool That's noise so good. Though, doesn't it oh my it god does make yes. an awesome noise. yes yeah. <laughs> it's probably my my favorite scene in the movie actually when they are attempting to communicate vocally for the first time perhaps the only time actually mm. when they're trying to give themselves names or at least read oh. each other's names or so she's trying to say wally he's trying to and he's you know trying to She's trying to say Eve, and she's reading his name, and oh, it's so charming. Mm. It's ridiculous. Chief Director classified. Name Wally. Wally. Eve. Yeah, my heart was melting at that part. I I just thought it's so touching, and it's again, it's what they're so good at, isn't it? Kind of putting emotions into what seemingly inanimate uh, objects. Um, it's so well done. Yeah, I love the way Eve first says wally that when she first mm. says his name and you can i mean my heart like you said Annie, my heart melts a little bit when yeah. she says it that first time because she says it so beautifully 
and yeah. you can you immediately empathize with how Wally's feeling. <laughs> well, and I like it too. It goes back to what you were saying before, Jess, about like how Wally's humanity is contagious. Mm. You know what's interesting? I, I I guess I'm I'm maybe jumping to one of my category nominations, but um, there is a scene after. It's before they meet, but while while Wally is kind of almost following her around and she's doing her job, a couple of things happen. The first thing that happens is that as, as soon as the spaceship that drops her off disappears, she goes for a little joy fly. So she's got a little something in her that isn't just her job, right? Like she she waits for the spaceship to leave and then goes for a spin, breaks the sound right. barrier a couple of times. Mm-hmm. which I love. And then um, there's another scene later on. He's watching her from a distance. She's doing her thing. And then just before she su- shuts down for the night, she does she does a fly past on him. Like she buzzes the tower on Wally and then goes to sleep. And it's like, okay, so she's she's toying with him there. She's It's kind of robot flirting almost. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's like there's no reason for her to do that other than to show off a little bit and go, hey, I right. can do this. And he goes, whoa. <laughs> yeah. There's a lovely moment uh, when they go back to, because there's a storm, and Wally takes Eve back to his place. And she's she's basically like one-upping him on every step of the way. Like she makes the light bulb glow. She pops all of the, the bubble wrap bubbles in about two seconds. Uh, and then she, she destroys it, or almost destroys Like she put, unspools the tape from the, the Hello Dolly VHS. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to Wally's humanity when he's like, well, well, you know, what are you doing? And he takes it from her, re, like gets this tape spool back in and plugs it into the machine to make sure it still works. And he's he's tapping his hands together like, oh, God, please let this work. And I love that. You know, it is it is the way they convey the filmmakers convey Wally's um, childlike innocence and enthusiasm for stuff. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. Well, I remember thinking watching that too is like because that's that's been his human connection this whole time is this these videos right that he watches and uh he doesn't know if he's going to stick around or not. Mm. So, Eve's temporary. The, this little tape that he's got is that's 700 years worth of companionship. So, that's what means a lot to him. But I I I said it before too and I'll say the the way they use his hands like you said, his hands clattering together there in that moment, mm-hmm. and just yeah, the, the way the use of Wally's hands to convey what he's thinking and feeling—it's yeah, it's amazing throughout. Could we go back a minute? Yeah, I, of course. There, there was something I wanted to say real quickly about the scene where Eve and Wally first meet, um, and because it also goes ties to what Andy was saying about um, you know just like the the emotional impact of that scene. Um, this. Uh, movie also has great use of music, and in that scene, uh, they use La Vie and Rose, mm-hmm. which might be. Um, I, I I don't. This is an unofficial estimate on my part. Might be the most used movie song that I've seen in my life, mm-hmm. um, and it always works for me. I, I've never had a moment where Livy and Rose has been used in a movie where I'm like, eh, that didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> and it's beautiful in that moment there too. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
might be might be coming back in audio corner you're saying possibly ah, maybe yes yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> uh right listen uh before we move on to any uh stuff after they leave earth we will take a quick break We're going to skip ahead a little bit because um, they then eventually uh, leave Earth. They go into space and they we we find the axiom for the first time. Uh, and I wanted to talk about um, just very briefly the little character of Mo. You know the cleaner droid. Yeah. His his core programming is to clean. He gets very cross when mm-hmm. things are dirty. I love that. But he also he also follows the lines on the road. Like he's quite strict about that as well, isn't he? Like the lines appear, he follows it. The line stops. He has mm-hmm. to stop his crew, and then the line appears and he carries on again. Right? That's. But I like the hierarchy of his uh, his programming because when he sees Wally's trail going off the line, but he's on the line, he has to stop. And you could see the the indecision in his um, brilliant in his mannerisms. Yeah. He's like, no, do I stick to the line or do I clean? Do I line clean, line clean? And in the end, cleaning wins. He breaks protocol yeah. and off he goes. He's cleaning. <laughs> I love that little which, little dilemma. Which I will say, by the way, creates chaos. Yeah. And and saves the day. If Moe's not around. <clears throat> You're right. It saves the day. The, the movie hints, right, at some really large, important ideas and themes. And that's a great example right there because, and Eve's the same way, like, uh, what's the word she keeps using? Uh, directive. Is it directive, yeah. And um, like this idea that um, intuition is more important than directive. You know, in a cute little movie like this, it's it's you know pretty low stakes, but um, on a human level, if we could get humanity to that point, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 we'd probably would be much better off. <laughs> Yeah, good point. I was only following directives. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would say my favorite scene in the whole film is uh, the whole sequence when we first meet the captain and Mm -hmm. then the captain uh, has the first interactions with um, Eve and Otto and all of that kind of stuff. I've got two or three or four things I want to say about this sequence. Uh, but before I do my little bit, uh, Andy, do you want to say something about when we first see the captain? Yeah, so he's he's in bed. Before we before he wakes up, we get a a pan of all the previous captains. <laughs> right, there's a couple of things. Firstly, their shape yeah. and uh, physical appearance drastically changes as we get <laughs> towards the basically the kind of chair bound mm-hmm. um, blobs that they've become. Um, but also, interestingly enough, it, did you guys take a look at the dates when these people were captains? I did briefly see they're like they live for 120 years or something. Or well, I don't think it's live though. Or, I think it's their tenure as captain because they they the, the dates are oh they don't to each other. They do or they don't. So they do. So okay. so you know if you die in 2020, mm. 2022, then the next captain starts in 2022. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Unless they're captains from birth. No, that makes it sense. Just the lifespan's like 170 years. 
Yeah, maybe. It's yeah, it's a good point. It, I mean, it probably is, right? Like, I guess no, <clears throat> no stress whatsoever in their existence. Uh, they just and the medical, medical technology. Yeah, and yeah. their their drinks their drinks are probably loaded with, uh, I don't know, all the vitamins you might need. I have no idea. I'm making it up. I've got no clue. I'm gonna build on that point though, Andy, and say that again. Uh, at the risk of, you know, getting too deep, but like the, the, I think that's an important idea of the movie though, is that lifespan might not be the most important thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly not. Yeah. yeah um, they, um, well, what does the captain say they, later on? I don't want to survive. I want to live. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. No, that's, yeah. that's a really, yeah. I mean, that's the message, isn't it? But yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was quite a nice touch there i, I do i very much like the, the the physical transformation of those captains it's, it's mm. amusing yeah that's, that's a nice little bit of storytelling mm. yeah i love the captain by the way the captain is my favorite character in the film as good as wally is and as much as eve is awesome the captain is my favorite character uh everything about him makes me laugh the fact that um more or less the first thing he says to otto after he's had his um coffee is protocol auto and he do, he goes through all of the status reports protocol auto first things first computer status report <laughs> mechanical systems unchanged reactor core temperature unchanged passenger count unchanged regenerative food buffet unchanged i mean he's just <laughs> going through by the numbers <laughs> and so we talked about this a little bit a second ago but i think it it's kind of come up as we've been talking. It's it's become more evident to me that um, Wally is more human than the humans in the film, right? right. They are they roll around in their chairs, um, just doing the same thing every day, surviving, not live or existing, not living, with no personality whatsoever. Captain just follows protocol. He just does what he's supposed to. But then we get that little glint, that little. Where he actually, perhaps the captain is the only one that, because he says it's the one thing I get to do on this ship when he does his morning announcements or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, whereas everyone else just is f- literally floating through life, not doing anything different. At least the captain has some control over it. <laughs> um, I love. I would add to that real quick yeah. too, just like and like not only just floating through life. And we see the one scene where, like, not not even looking at the world. Yeah. Like, looking at those screens in front of them and not even, like, the one guy's like, oh, there's a, we have a pool. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. see a couple of shots of that pool and there's, there's loads of people around it. No one's in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, no and loads of people around it. And I wonder if any of them actually know there is, it's there. You right. know, because they're not looking at it. They're looking at their screen, which is yeah. a thing in itself, isn't it? Well, it made me think of like the allegory of the cave, which is for the, anyone who doesn't the, know. <laughs> uh, the the idea that um, in the allegory of the cave is that the person is is looking at a reflection of images on the back of a cave. He's, there's a fire mm. behind him, and he thinks the images on the wall of the cave are the reality. Mm. But in reality, there's a whole different reality that he's not paying attention yeah, to. Yeah. And okay. um, I think it's Plato. Mm-hmm. that wrote it but uh you know it's what the matrix is based on that kind of stuff yeah. but um yeah that, that just that idea that 
the reality, the, the, our inability sometimes to see the reality of our lives. I mean, that's that the screen is replaced. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, that is what is it analogous to social media in general, isn't it? In a number yes. of ways, right? What you see on social media is not reality. Yeah, just seeing an interpretation of it. Yeah. Very briefly, uh, when they uh, do finally, <laughs> when they finally activate the, I don't know, the, it's like a video of the president CEO telling them what to do with the, with the plant. Uh, there's a moment when he says, if you, you know, you do this and you do this and you plug it into the thing, the ax, uh, and it says it will return the axiom to earth. It's like, and so obviously they've recorded that message multiple times and they just, or rather they've recorded that message once, but they've left a gap for the name of the ship to be put in there. You know, like, um, it's like voicemail. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Space for your name. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. So there are, hundreds if not thousands of other ships out there um which i would hope uh, will be notified by the axiom that it's time to come home or are they or are the hundreds of other ships out there just still floating they don't know so anyway. is it networked is that what you're asking i'm hoping are they your, sorry, are those are those other ships also sending probes back to earth well, the Axiom was the jewel in the crown, wasn't it, they said. Uh -huh. So um, I wonder whether the Axiom was the only one that had the... Okay. I don't know. That's a good point. I'm, I'm just assuming that they'll all come back eventually. It'll be fine. I loved it when the captain uh, has no idea what's about to happen when um, Eve opens her, like, bay door. Like, he's hiding behind the operation manual. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, the last thing I'm going to say on this is just after that, the captain starts, he basically starts uh, learning. He gets into like a, a learning loop. It's like the opposite of doom scrolling. You know what I mean? And he finds mm -hmm. something out and then he's like, oh, I want to know about that thing. And oh, I yeah. want to know about that thing. And he suddenly becomes, again, like his humanity instantly ramps up because he wants to find out. He's curious all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, then he, he knows all about like seeds because you know they create pizza plants and things, which I think is brilliant. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I love the like I said, it's the opposite of doom scrolling because he's he's suddenly becoming more human and learning more about life and living. Uh, yeah, Chris, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on the the movie's decision to use live action. Oh, the the president talking about work. The president shows up, yeah, and also using the the film clip earlier, mm -hmm. the Hello Dolly film clip. Um, I don't know. Did you guys think it worked? I not really questioned it up until now. I mean, I kind of probably did like originally, but I guess the idea is we don't see any humans other than the seven hundred year uh, like loss of bone mass humans yeah right. so well, it, i guess it's a picture of the, the early captains yeah but even them they're slightly um exaggerated in their features aren't they mm. a little bit not not much but, uh, they they look cartoony as opposed to uh live action i think the they? first captain though i think it's more or less a photo i mean it's pretty yeah. close <clears throat> so i guess i i guess to answer your question i don't mind it why do you does it ring rub you the wrong way chris 
No, I, I just, I, I just, I guess I caught myself wondering why. Maybe that's why they put those captains in. It does kind of take you on that physical journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just kind I, guess, of I, I, I suppose if, if the if if the the folks on the ship looked the same as people do now, or people do or did when they, the axiom left Earth, mm. I, I, you probably wouldn't question it, would you? But it, it plays to the point of how sad their lives or the existences have become. Yeah. And that it's, it's taken a physical toll, which in itself adds a, a layer of, uh, at least a, a thought for me. Yeah. Um, I think also... Uh, if you've, if as a filmmaker, if you're committed to the idea of using Hello Dolly as your, um, I don't know, as your as your key, right? You got it. You got to figure out what are they going to do. They're going to animate Hello Dolly. Right. You know they they've got this footage. They've got they've they've committed to wanting to use it. So yeah, I, I guess it's from a filmmaking perspective, that's that's what the, that's the choice you've made. That represents the past. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I, it, and by the way, it didn't bother me. I I wasn't bringing it up as like I this took me out of the movie. I, mm. I was just curious about what, and I like the answers. This is why I ask you guys. <laughs> you have the answers to all questions. Yeah. No, it's an interesting point actually because it's come up before. In um, um, I play a ton of video games, and um, a few years back, Mario went goes to a town in one of the games. Um, called New Donk City, and all the people are like normal humans, and then you've got Mario, mm. who's you know two and a half foot tall and clearly not the same species as the people. It's weird. Yeah, because as a technique, it's typically used to kind of rattle the viewer a little bit, like mm. to take. It's them unnerving. Out. Yeah, it's yeah. unnerving. It gets you thinking about stuff, which uh, yeah. I think they've navigated it pretty well here. I yeah, think I think so. It, I think so. It, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, yep. They they found a, a pretty clever way of of integrating both into a historic and current day timeline. I think it works okay. Agreed. Uh, another answer that I might give uh, is it's simply just an excuse to get Fred Willard into a movie. Yeah, he's good. I'm in favor of. Yes, <laughs> every movie should have live action Fred Willard. Andy, they then go to the repair ward. Yeah, it's just a little thing for me. I, um, it, it, you, you see it for barely a second. The one of the droids or robots in the repair ward is is there, continuously bashing his face against a tray. <laughs> it's um, like a serving what? bot, right? <laughs> How long has that guy been there, just bashing himself? <laughs> and not only is I think it's hilarious. Um, he's obviously completely insane, lost his marbles, but the noise for everybody else. <laughs> that's all I want to yeah, say. Good. I love that guy. It's mayhem in the repair ward, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's a re- it's a really well visualized and realized um, repair ward. It all makes sense, you know, that all the light barriers they can't get out of, and all the the things that are happening around to repair, clean, you know, yeah. service the droids. It's uh, it's very well visualized that, the, that area. I do the, like it. The tennis bot is my favorite. It's just absolutely <laughs> pelting tennis balls across the <laughs> across the ward. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, very good. Who's play? Why is there a tennis bot? Well, no, because they play the virtual right. tennis, don't they? They play the. Oh, yeah. So you know, because there's the virtual golf. 
bots and there's the virtual yes. tennis bots. The bit that I love most out about the um, repair ward is when when Wally shoots the gun the wrong way, and it, you know he shoots the control panel in the other room. I just love that slow mo of the of the whatever it is the charge bolt or whatever it is like slow mo across the ward and everybody watching it and the kind of the sound is so good. I mean that's that's the epitome of me saying I love the bit when, but uh, yeah, yeah, it works. All right, we're going to skip ahead a little bit and then uh, we will move on to what I consider to be sort of the centerpiece of the whole film, the um, the space dance, Chris. Well, this isn't small stuff. It's just it might if you, if we were to do a Mount Rushmore favorite movie scenes of all time, mm-hmm. this might be on it. It okay. is. It is just so beautiful and perfect and charming and warm. I, I just love it. I loved it the first time I saw it in the theater and rewatching it the other night. It just was just completely captured my heart. I love this movie. Yeah. I'm I'm in a complete agreement. It's a it's a just such mm-hmm. a gorgeous scene. It's like I will ballet, say just isn't quickly it? too. It's it also um you know, something like when you when you see like the credits and like they say the movie was directed by so and so, right? And you're like, well, how do you direct a? Mm-hmm. It's animated. That scene is a great, great example. Like that, that's a that's a person with a visual vision that they had other people execute for them, but the role of director in yeah. uh, animation that that's it. That'd be the epitome of it right there. Because it's worst case scenario, right? It's in a three D boundless space. You can do anything from any angle, and yet somehow it's they nailed it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no, there's no kind of we're not bound by you know planes that we stand on or yeah. lean against. Mm-hmm. It's it could be anything. They could do literally anything in that space. But as I said just now, it's it's like a ballet. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the synergy with the music is incredible. Mm-hmm. Again, skipping ahead just a smidge, the scene where it's just before Eve gives the captain the plant. I think that's when it is. And the, again, the captain, my favorite character, he's fantasizing about the Axiom coming back to Earth. And he's uh, he does all the sound effects of the Axiom. Co- and it's like the, the globe he's got and the toy Axiom, you know, and he's like... Prepare for landing. We're here, everybody. Yay, Captain, Captain, we're home. It's so beautiful. No, it's nothing. I, I was pleased to do this as well. It's all about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's it's all about you people. I, 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 I really, you know, I just, I love the way. Oh, Captain, we love you so much. He's just, he's, I mean, he's never, I love the idea that this is the first time in his life that he's actually feeling worthwhile and like, oh, wait, people are going to like me for this. And I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, uh, again, skipping ahead, Wally is dying. Yeah, uh, this reminded me, when I was watching the scene, I, I couldn't help but think about uh, when I, the first time I ever saw E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when when uh, 
E.T. is dying in that movie. Uh, you, we talked about it at the very beginning of like, you know, there's just certain reasons to be in a theater. And uh, I think a lot of, as adults, what we do when we go to movies is we're chasing the recreation of feelings we had when we were children. Mm. Um, and uh, that the, that feeling I had when um, E.T. was dying when I was a little kid, I, I felt that as an adult when I saw this in the theater. Mm. Uh, and again, to rewatch it here, uh, just that, just being scared, like... Uh, there's a at the AMC theaters here in the United States um, they do a clip before the movie with Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. talking about the magic of movies Mm -hmm. right and there's a line that they use in it she says sometimes heart somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this yeah and the ability of the movie to to take us to some of those places that we you know are uncomfortable but you feel safe when you're feeling them yeah, this movie replicates that for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lower the tone a little bit by saying, like, on that, on on the back of that <clears throat> beautiful, heartfelt little sentiment, I'm just going to say the um, the massage robot that uh, is like from the ward, you know, that's a bit off the rails, and they have to unleash him to destroy all of the sentry <laughs> bots. He's like he's like animal from the Muppets. He just <laughs> he just you un you unwind him or you yeah you wind him up and it just off he goes it just destroys everything uh, and then he's like breathing panting really heavily just like animal used to after he would do a drum solo <laughs> nice current nice current reference for all of our younger listeners yeah. anyway okay um, I watched the Muppet Show the other night actually I went through some of the uh, I think I was on Disney Plus and I was looking at some old Muppet shows any good. I inter- um, uh, good. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. Like I was looking, I, basically, I was skipping through the episodes to see, you know, what who who were guest stars, mm-hmm. um, and to see, you know, how they were integrated into the show. And the one I was most interested in was uh, Liberace. Oh, I, yeah, Liberace did a a Muppet show. Uh, it was basically the Liberace show with the Muppets, mm. <laughs> uh, as you may imagine. But um, yeah, it's honestly go back and just just if you have Disney Plus, they're mm. all on there. It's really interesting. The people who appear and I forget the names of them, but I was like, oh, really, really? Mm. It's bizarre. It was a big it deal. Really, I know it's really odd. Anyway, you mentioned the Muppets, and yep. it peaked my you have it. memory at that point. So mm. Liberace. <laughs> Andy, your next point was um, uh, yeah. about being on the Lido deck. I don't really like this bit. I don't understand it either. Really. Wh- which bit are we talking so, about? Though, when everyone so, is like brought back to the Lido deck because we're going home, kind of deal. Well, it's it's. I guess it's it's <clears throat> not entirely sure. It might be a bit before that, but you know, there's this, there's the fight and there's the kerfuffle and the. I guess it's when Molly's dying, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is back on the on the deck. Um, and I don't understand how gravity is working on this spaceship. Mm. I don't like it because it doesn't make any sense. And I'm thinking if if you need to come up with a, a fight, a dramatic conclusion, or at least a battle to save the day or not, I don't know why you make the choice to... It doesn't make any sense in the spaceship when you go hard left, that it rolls and everyone goes to one side. Mm. Stupid. They establish... <laughs> no, but... but... Yeah, I, okay. I've got other things. I don't like it because 
like when they go into hyperspace, they don't go fly back to the back wall of the ship, do they? Mm. No, that's a good point. Yeah, all right. You know, it's so, and it's so critical to it, that. It is. It's, it's the it's reason Eve can't put the. Scene. It's the reason Eve can't put the plant into the device. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It really bothered me. I was like, no, I don't like that. But, you know, it is a vehicle for the scene, isn't it, rather than making sense. Yeah. Um, so whatever. If they had that creative idea to make the scene like that, I just don't think it works for me. But there we are. No, that's a fair point. I mean, it did occur to me as well. I sort of brushed over it, but no, you're right. Uh, Chris, let's end the small stuff with uh, your thoughts about Wally coming back to f- full f- consciousness. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my note says, oh, my. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, can't, I can't believe how emotional that made me. Oh, really? Uh, his, uh, and, and <laughs> the, uh, really the heart of that scene is Eve, though. Mm-hmm. And her desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, I, I'm getting a little choked up right now. I, I, oh, it's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I get it. <clears throat> um, you know, we all have suffered loss Yeah. and, uh, being in that moment, I, boy, I, I got, I definitely know what he was feeling and the movie does a greater job. just an amazing job of evoking, uh, the humanity of these robots and, I really wanted Wally to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, and he, does. he did. Yeah. And he does. Pixar are great at, at taking you to the edge on these things, aren't they? Yep. And you like, an experience tells you if it's not a Pixar movie, things are probably going to be okay. But you just right. never, you're never sure, are you? You're like, this, mm. this could go either way. You know, they don't shy away. You know, the start of Up, for example, is crucifying. I can't, yeah. I can barely exactly. watch it. Mm. I can barely watch that. Um, the bit in Toy Story 3 when they, they look like there's literally no way. They're all going to die and they accept their fate. And you're like, really? Mm-hmm. You're going to do this to me? My kids are here. <laughs> They're crying. <laughs> that's, that's the conversation that we had at the beginning, right? And yeah. that's what I love about about movies like this. They're like, yeah, yeah, your kids will be okay. And this is important stuff for them to. No, you're right experience and think about and it's and... funny because you mention it and i and i i suddenly realized how right you were because if it's if it's at home i don't know one of the oh i need the loo i'm gonna go get a bag of biscuits or something they'll just disappear for 30 seconds and come back and everything's fine but you you can't do that in the movies no. well you can it's just a bit annoying <laughs> um i remember watching going off track somewhat i was watching it's the witch in the lion, witch in the wardrobe. What's the first one? Lion and the witch in the wardrobe. That's what it's called. Okay. okay, so Aslan is getting hacked to mm. pieces. Yeah. Right? yeah, it is disturbing. It's so unpleasant to watch. People were leaving, crying with with crying children at that point, and I was like, mm-hmm. I think have they overstepped the line here. Mm. <laughs> and Pixar. Almost always do it perfectly, where they they will push you to a point, and you question whether or not they're going to go beyond that line. They they never seem to do it, but they always seem to find ways of making you think that they're going to. Yeah, and it's, they're so good at doing it. Yeah, very good. I, it's their it's their calling card, really. Yeah. 
damn them. <laughs> Let's move on to the categories, guys. We're going to start with the quick hits, which will be especially quick because uh, aside from uh, we occasionally get to see behind Wally's vision. We get to see, you know, through the world through Wally's eyes, which is close to binoculars. It doesn't really count as binoculars. So there were no use of binoculars in this film. Uh, he does zoom in on the store. Yeah, I mean, he does. But but the point is, but, it, like, you can't, you don't know whether it's rendered correctly or incorrectly because it's, you know, it's how. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think there were any backhanded spit wipes. Please correct me if I'm there wrong. Were. No, okay. Yeah. Uh, nobody died. Did. Oh, apart from the, the what is he the the little gopher bot? I guess he does die. He gets like catapulted out of the the bridge window and smashes next to the pool. So I guess that's one mm-hmm. one death. Uh, the, and the, the cockroach should die because he gets run over, like oh, they're hardy, literally run over. They're hardy creatures, those cockroaches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we can't really choose a bad way, the worst way to die. Um, Andy's hat. Yeah, uh, I've got two. Okay, and one is which is more than I thought you'd have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the captain's hat, right? He, yep. The captain's got a captain's hat, and I mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. But it's not the winner. The the winners are the basically the dancers from Hello Dolly are wearing uh-huh. superb straw boaters, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they are they are great. It's a great hat. It's a straw boater. If only I had the um, the reason or the occasion to wear one. <laughs> uh, go to Henley. I would choose him. Go to Henley upon well, Thames. Yeah, I just. I just don't, unsurprisingly, and <laughs> go to the regatta there. I do like the captain's hat because it acts as a, a, a sign that the captain means business. Because I think I'm pretty sure he pulls yeah, yeah. it tight over his his oh, head yeah. at one point. Yeah, like, yeah. no, we're mm-hmm. this is it's on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there were yeah. no small aircraft apart from the escape pod, but you know there was no point is there's no headsets to um, to monitor the use yeah. of. So uh, we yeah. will quickly move on to audio corner. Any nominees? Uh, yeah, I have uh, Eva's Eve's giggle. Mm, love it. <laughs> love, yeah. mm-hmm. Especially at the beginning scene when they first are meeting and he's showing her stuff and she giggles a little bit. It's so heartwarming. Yeah. Is that that is that your nominee or is that your winner? That's my winner. That's your winner, straight out. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Anything, Andy? Mm. Um, I it amused me that for some reason they used the Apple boot up chime. Yes, uh, like his audio kind of. I guess it's his call for the solo when he's fully charged, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, which I like. But my my winner is is the use of La Vie en Rose. Me closing on me fast, the magic spell you kiss. This is La Vie en Rose. When you kiss me, heaven sighs, and though. Um, specifically mm-hmm. the Louis Armstrong version, which I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. and the the kind of it kind of they they dull the the, the rest of the audio, and you just get we get these uh, little vignettes of scenes where Wally's chasing Eve around, and it's it, it just fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I actually think it might be my favorite use of the Beyond Rose. Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to hard to think of a, a better one. Anyway, and it's the best version as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you sure you don't want to change yours to that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm positive. Okay. 
So yeah, there's too many Levian roses for this to be nailed down as the best one ever. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so personally, I think the sound design in in this film is incredible. I think all mm-hmm. of the sound effects are awesome. The music, music mm-hmm. is amazing. The music itself is awesome. So I'm just going to list off a few things that I, I really love. I love almost all of the robot noises, but specifically when um, when Eve fi- first arrives on Earth and they've got the arms that come down and like take her out of her pod and then another arm comes out and pushes buttons. Like I love how every single robot has one specific job and, and it only does that one job. But there's a lovely whirring noise when they kind of they kind of turn Eve and put her in the right place before she comes out of her pod. I love the whir noise. Um, anytime uh, Wally says, whoa, it's very cute. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned oh my chris when you were talking yes. about um wally coming back to life the hairdresser the the rogue hairdresser bot is always saying oh my which i really <laughs> love i love the space dance music with the actual music that's playing while they're doing the the dance in space because yeah. it's it's like the intro to the the final theme you know the peter gabriel song at the end mm-hmm. um which I also love. So that's another shout out. The Peter Gabriel track at the end is fabulous. I love Eve's cry. Speaking of Eve, I love Eve's cry of no when Wally gets crushed under the, whatever you call it, like the plant pod. Right. Uh, I love that sort of desperation in her voice when she thinks Wally's been actually crushed. I think it's incredible. Uh, But my (laughs) favourite, it's when the captain... Uh, has to give his voice authorization and all he can say is uh voice authorization required uh accepted and the the, <laughs> the machine re- repeats it and he goes authorization accepted <laughs> it's just so good <laughs> so that's my winner not as cerebral as your guys but real quick audio question hmm. I I looked I, I was looking at the credits on IMDb and it says I just want to make sure I'm clear that, that Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. is the voice of the autopilot of the ship yeah yeah, yeah. yeah not the autopilot okay. of the ship of the ship yeah not the autopilot no so not oh, auto okay okay yeah okay I thought it was auto I couldn't <clears throat> okay but it's the the void the the instructions to the yeah people right, well you know window. caution rogue robots for example that's, right, that's exactly. mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's status unchanged yeah. unchanged that's funny mm-hmm. unchanged <laughs> we have this little <clears throat> audio part that we need let's go ahead and get one of the most accomplished best actresses of all time dude <laughs> yeah, she must have like phoned in about 10 lines <laughs> right a few lines <laughs> so weird off. well she probably just went in to record for a day right i mean that's all they need Right, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. What's the best looking scene? So I've got two. So my nominee is um, Wally is, is speeding back to Eve. I can't remember exactly why, but it's on Earth at the start. And he's, he's, he's going as quickly as he can. Um, again, I forget exactly why. Is it when is the it ship, he sees the ship coming? She, it's when she's going up on the ship, I mm. think. That's right. And he's trying to catch her. That is so well done. Um, it looks, to all intents and purposes, real. Mm. The way they've got like a shaky camera 
profile going on um, as you know he's going in and out behind scenery. It's exceptionally well done, mm-hmm. um, as is everything, to be honest. Um, but my favorite is there's a there's a Eve's kind of deactivated. She's you know she's pulsing green, um, and he's he's passing the time with her. And I think she's on top of the truck. He moves her to the top of the truck, and it's boiling hot. They pan back a little bit, and he's he's stood next to her. I think he's holding an umbrella over her head, and you see the heat haze. It's kind of shimmering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole thing is orange. It's so good. Yeah, the Just idea frame there. The idea of doing uh, animated heat haze. I don't know, kind of blows my mind a little bit somehow. But they pull it off really well. It looks incredible. Um, so, yeah, that's mine. There's a couple of nominees. Um, I already mentioned before the the very first uh, zoom in on the planet. Mm-hmm. Where you go through, like, all the satellite garbage out in space, yep. and then you start to see the piles of trash, and eventually zooming into seeing Wally doing his job uh just that opening zoom in i think is incredible um i would also nominate the end credits yeah uh the animation style i mean we kind of talked a little bit before about the the juxtaposition of using live action shots um in contrast to the animation style and then the animation style that they use at the end is in contrast to you know, almost like cave drawing kind of starting over mm-hmm. implications. But it tells a story. Like the, the movie, the funny thing is the movie's not over when they land. Yeah. You really do need yeah. to watch the closing credits because it tells kind of a, an important part of the story. Of Operation their- Recolonize, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Neither of those is my choice, though. Okay, yeah, um, and? So I, uh, this, it's, it's the space dance. I like I said before, it's not just for this movie. It's one of the most beautiful looking pieces of film I've ever seen. So yeah. I, I would go with that. It's an all timer. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to just say one quick nomination. When Eve, <laughs> when she gets stuck in the electromagnet on the tanker and she oh, yeah. <laughs> she destroys it and then destroys the tanker, which then destroys three other tankers. <laughs> and they the explosions go on the, sometimes. The explosions go on uh, and then they sort of they sort of stand the two of them watching the blaze. I love that shot. I love it the way they they're silhouetted with the fires behind them. Um it's just it's awesome. So that's Did my nom- no plants in there by the way. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my nominee. Uh but yes, I agree with you Chris. My winner is the the space dance. The Monsieur Mendel Award for our favorite incidental character. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. Uh, I've got, I got three, um, and I don't know which one I'm going to pick. So the first one is the the giant red-eyed robot that, like, basically looks seems to open the door to the 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 lift up to the captain, and Wally kind of waves at him, and then he kind of waves his little his little robot arm and then when he sees him later on the the robot is just like wait frantically waving his little robot arm but he's got this giant red eye just another example of wally just kind of being infecting the whole uh ship with humanity um mo gets a mention the the cleaner robot obviously 
I don't know if he's incidental enough because he's he's actually pretty crucial to the That's to the story. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, but I think probably now that I'm thinking about it, my favorites are the uh, Wall R's who are in the the garbage section of the Axiom, mm-hmm. the giant versions of Wally, because mm-hmm. even those brutes have some humanity. When they realize that there's a problem in the in the bay, they shut the door with their giant, I don't know, whatever, their giant arms, and then they light Eve as she's trying to get Wally back to life and then they're waving as they fly off I just I love that whole thing so Wallar is my uh, favorite incidental character Chris I I will say that I I I struggled with this a little bit because um the the idea like I did try to keep in mind the idea of incidental characters so like like you said Mo isn't incidental he's crucial to the plot mm-hmm. and this movie's so tight and mm-hmm. there's just really not a lot of room for incidental uh that being said i decided to go i called it the beauty bot i don't know if it's a hairdresser bot mm-hmm. or what but i like uh i like it's it's color style it's a little different <laughs> color style than the rest of them it's kind of sassy yeah and it's just paints uh, it's also paint, helpful. it paints uh, makeup on anything anything that moves <laughs> will get makeup <laughs> and then, and then tells and then tells it how gorgeous it is yeah and keeps saying oh my <laughs> i know honey <laughs> i know men <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that counts as incidental or not 100% 100% andy yeah i had mo as well but uh, only because I was struggling a little bit. Uh, mm. So I'm going to go with, uh, I've already mentioned him, uh, the uh, waiter bot in the repair ward, bashing his face. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. Poor, poor guy. Does he do <laughs> anything later on? Does he do anything later on? Does he start bashing so. like the steward bots with the tray? Oh. I mean, I know they all get let out, but mm. I don't know. I don't. He's certainly not bashing his face, but maybe that's because he's not in the repair ward. Mm. Maybe that's all he needed to be, all, all, the only treatment he needed was to be released, perhaps. Yeah, it. to be set free. Mm. All right, what's the best location, Andy? Earth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what sense? Like the world, the world building, like the the, the yeah, kind I of actuation so. I, of the. I, I, yeah, I think because um, it's pretty good at uh, not telling the whole story immediately and, and and the world building story about you know as you start to pan back and see that you know you you see how these these enormous structures are made of, of i don't know two foot square cubes of compressed junk mm. uh, and they're enormous and you kind of realize how we screwed up earth mm. um it's it's brilliant and you know the terrible storms and the wasteland and everything's dusty and horrible and yeah um, I like it. I don't like it, but I like it because yeah. of it. Well, I mean, I laughed out loud when Andy said it because, first of all, it's a funny pick, but also because my exact note for best location says one word, Earth. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of silly to, to have that um, broad of a category for best location, but, yeah, the whole thing... the. Everything that is on Earth, I think, is just really cool. So, mm. 
It reminds me, Chris, of when we used to joke about how much John Madden would um, circle with his telestrator. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, and in one, sun, right, yeah, he, he circled the sun once yeah, yeah. and said, "This is the thing that's getting in their eyes." <laughs> Choose something bigger, John Madden, to circle. <laughs> you can't. There is nothing. <laughs> uh, he circled the whole stadium once. He said, "These are the guys that are working hard." <laughs> Thanks. Insightful. <laughs> uh, my favorite look. Okay, so the correct answer is Earth. Mm -hmm. I think we're all on the same page there, but that's not my pick. My pick yep. is the the Lido deck at night, when it's just um, when it's just John and Mary with their you know they're splashing each other, and then the robot says no splashing, no diving, and they splash <laughs> the robot. Just the way it yeah. looks with all of the lights off, except for the little bit of ambient lighting going on, and it's empty because everyone's gone home. I, I love the way it looks. Uh, so that's my pick. But, of course, the correct answer is Earth. So mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Uh, the Vince Fontaine Award for Best Moment of Physicality. Uh, I got quite a few here, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go. I already talked about it at the very beginning of the movie when we're first meeting Wally and he comes home and plugs in the tape and then we see him watching the movie. Uh, in particular... Uh, and I mentioned before the the way they use Wally's hands to kind of communicate his emotional uh, what's going on inside mm -hmm. of him emotionally when he's watching the movie and he kind of crisscrosses his fingers. Um, I don't know. I just everything that he's doing to kind of communicate that he's connected and engaged in this little snippet of a movie that he's watching. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. broke. Great. Andy. Yeah, actually, mine's, mine's slightly similar to that. Mm -hmm. So, again, my friend, the repair bot, smacking his face consistently. <laughs> I'm going to keep repairing for mentioning that to you. Good. Um, I love the bit where Wally is deliberately getting things dirty for Mo. <laughs> um, like, just just playing you up, yep. you know, standing over the line, putting a little bit of dirt there. But actually, I think my favourite physical... Um, I guess scene where where it took me by surprise a little bit actually, but you know when um, he's while he's in his his truck at home and he's he's putting things away. Mm. Actually, it might be when he's there. He might be getting. I forget when exactly when it is, but he stretches up to get something or put something on a shelf. And I'm I was amazed at how suddenly human he looks i know that's a really silly thing to say because we've been talking about it the entire time but mm. he stretches in a way that you would stretch he sort of steps and you know, stands on his tiptoes yeah which he doesn't have mm. but somehow he mm -hmm. does you know he doesn't have tiptoes but you yeah. can tell he's straining on his tiptoes and he's yeah. arching his back and he's reaching up um i just don't know how they do it i don't understand how they visualize or even yeah. choose a character characterization or, or just the, the physical design of it mm. to ensure that they can do all these things yeah. I don't yeah. you know how they how do they when they pick a design how do they visualize how they're going to make that design work in every situation in the movie I think it's remarkable but yeah. yeah when he's um when he's when he's stretching up to put the stuff or take it off the shelf I think mm. it's amazing I can answer your question on how you do that by the way Andy it's pretty simple mm -hmm. uh you just have to get a collection of some of the most brilliant genius animators in the world together in a room. <laughs> there we are. Answer, no, but it's simple as that. It? it is. It is absolutely remarkable how they can um, humanize any 
physical form as well as emotional kind of um, yeah. features. I think they do such an incredible job. It shouldn't be underestimated. I, I mean, I, I, I said it like as like as if I was making a joke, but it's actually true, right? Like these people are brilliant. That's yeah. The the things they're able to accomplish, <clears throat> and again, thinking that they're doing this like with pixels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it is. In fact, you know what? Like just saying that right now, and I do think we've almost become desensitized to it, right? Like when Toy Story first came out, it was a big deal. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and now they do these just absolutely jaw-dropping, amazing uh, images in these movies, and I think to some degree our reaction is like ho hum. It's yeah, yeah, we expect it. It's not as amazing anymore, yeah. even though it right. still is. Mm. Truly, yeah, just beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So my nominees for the Vince Fontaine Award, uh, I mentioned Eve doing the flyby before she powers down. She kind of buzzes Wally's tower. I love that. Uh, I love it when Wally has to dig himself to safety when the ship takes, well, lands and takes off. Him digging is hilarious. <laughs> you mentioned Eve fixing Wally, right? When when Wally's dying, but they go back to Earth and he goes to do his house and, and she kind of replaces all of his components. I love the way they do that. She's moving so fast and it's so mm-hmm. desperate. And, and then she shoots the hole in the in the ceiling of the thing. That whole sequence is so good physically. Um, but I'm torn between two. Uh, I, th- I think I love when the captain spins the wheel after he's defeated Otto and he's got this kind of air of like conquest about him and he just spins the wheel back to straight and he's he's just he is peak captain at that point i love it but i think my winner is when um wally gets in the escape pod but he's expecting eve to come with him and he like sits he sits on the edge of the seat in the escape pod with his feet dangling off it goes back to what you're saying andy about how human they make him look with his Mm -hmm. feet dangling off the end and he just pats the he pats the seat next to him as if to say okay come on we're going it's just so great. Uh, right, souvenir. What souvenir would you take from this film? I'm going to go first. Uh, I've only got one pick. I'm, I want the um, the captain's um, globe and model axiom. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. That's would my you play pick. with it? No, that's two, though, yeah. right? No, but it's a set. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's a set. They come they come hand in hand. Yeah, definitely I'd play with it. i do what the captain does. Coming into land now. <laughs> Oh, Captain, thank you so much. <laughs> Chris, what's your souvenir? Uh, well, mine is actually, um, I know it's bad for me. I don't care. I want a hover chair. <laughs> and I know I'm going to lose bone density. But uh, but you'll uh, live for 200 years. Yes, exactly. The hover chairs. Uh, that's the height of luxury. Andy. Yeah, I'm. Gonna, I quite like the B&L lighter, but then I don't like B&L, mm. although mm. name, as, I, I, as suggested, is pretty good. No, I just, you know, it's one of those things. Um, but fire. I picked the boot, boot with the plant. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah that I, was... It would have to be fake, otherwise it will grow. No, it won't. I'll kill it. It'll die. So it'll have to be fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll <laughs> fail to look after it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Good, right. The Call Me Bronco coolest look... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know where to start with this. Andy, do you want to go? Yeah, this is this is straightforward for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll take the captain's jacket, <laughs> the one that doesn't quite cape. fit. Yeah, yeah. It's, as far as he's concerned, is a cape. But what have they like handed it down? It's like a yeah. 
uh, a rite of passage for the captain here yeah. take the coat this yeah. is your ceremonial coat it reminds me of the it's u.s it. masters green jacket that they win but it's yeah, yeah. yeah not yeah, custom made no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll take that i think mm. it's um not that i'm taking it but uh, that's my choice yeah chris you know uh <clears throat> originally i had i have nothing here yeah and um and I kept thinking about it, and I'm like, there's just no. I mean, the robots are the robots. I guess mm. maybe you could go with Eve. Mm. The design of Eve is pretty cool. Mm. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm I'm gonna say the dancers in the Hello video clip. Hello, Hello Dolly. Dolly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That um, hyper stylized like 1850s whatever yeah. they're wearing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I've got a tongue in cheek answer. Uh, in the fact that actually the choice is really simple. It's either red or blue, right? You either have the red outfit or the blue outfit, which is the coolest. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, my my real answer, and you kind of said it already, Chris, uh, I've kind of been a bit liberal with the definition of coolest look. I'm voting for Eve. Eve yeah. is just really, really cool looking robot. And so, yeah, as you know, as clever and as well animated and um, as uh, kind of, how, as you said, Andy, they've made Wally look human, even though he's just a box, all that kind of stuff. I still think Eve wins the coolest looking robot award quite convincingly. Okay, we'll end, as always, with closing credit. Yeah, this is a funny one. There are literally eight people credited for this movie. Um, so my initial choice um, is bad, but we've mentioned it already. Uh, it's Sigourney Weaver as computer yeah um she as i said maybe phones in about 10 lines um <laughs> and she's a, she is a weighty weighty actress to get in to do uh something i i'm fairly certain anyone could have done to a degree yeah uh, obviously she's um yeah I feel like phones in is a little bit disrespectful, though, Andy. It does right, imply okay. that she's not really trying. <laughs> she, also, she's a computer, right? So she, do, you can't have a, you know, hamming it up, can you? Mm, no, that's a good point. Yeah, and I, I wanted to mention it because obviously we've taken, I personally have um, criticised heavily the computer in Alien, mm -hmm. uh, which she is operating. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, the, uh, the irony was not lost on me mm. uh, at that point point but yeah um we had a conversation prior to this about uh this this subject being a little bit light so mm. um jess you mentioned ben burt who plays wally well uh well plays like noises him i suppose um and all you need to do is look at his his body of work uh, both in um movie and video games actually certainly around the star wars franchise mm -hmm. and it's extensive uh, I'm going to pick that up if I may, Andy. Just uh, yeah. steal the category from you for just for a sec. Um, ben Burt is the sort of person who, uh, you know, if you're um, not that I'm a student of Star Wars lore and history, but I am an enthusiast of Star Wars lore and history. Um, uh, he's one of the names uh, that kind of is slightly um, revered. You know, like Ralph McQuarrie, who did all the concept art for Star Wars, is one of them. Um, obviously, George Lucas. Um, and Ben Burt is another one of those names. He's the guy that came up with the lightsaber noise. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh. you, you know, you name a more uh, iconic sound in movies. It's difficult to do, right? He came up with Chewbacca's noise, like his his 
voice, basically. Uh, he worked on uh, he worked on Alien. He worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark. He worked on E.T. Blade Runner, uh, like Super Eight, which is a movie I like. It's not it's not you know, hugely popular, but I really like it. He worked on um, Munich, you know the Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So he's worked on all, worked on all the Star Wars films, uh, and and now he well. And then he subsequently started working with um, Pic- for Pixar, so he's worked on Wally and Up and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he's he's a legend in in terms of sound design. Yeah. Any, any it seems that anywhere the Star Wars franchise is touched, certainly in video games, he he's he's there. Yeah. He is a I don't know a sound coordinator or designer, literally going back twenty five thirty years. So the the earliest video game you can think of with Star Wars in it, he's mm. there. He's yeah. he's credited with with some some work. Uh, so that is, as you say, I, I wasn't really aware of uh, his impact on on movies, certainly in in the Star Wars franchise. But yeah, maybe are Ben Burt. Absolutely, what a guy. I mean, yeah, I I think I I don't know if legend is a bit too overstated, but I guess in uh, in sound design terms, yeah, he's a legend. And I read, I was just reading about him just now, and he uh, apparently cl- coined the phrase "sound designer" because uh, he decided that what he was doing wasn't quite like didn't quite get described well enough with the existing terms. So, mm. Yeah, there we are. There you have it. Enough said. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, thank you, Andy. No, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Was a pleasure to have you both. Uh, we don't know what we're going to be doing next, um, but hopefully we'll see you again soon on Don't Forget the Small Stuff. <laughs>